0: Thanks for joining me um, today on Papa Perspective, or perspective as I just shorthandly call it. Um, we're joined here with a um, very impactful episode. I, um, um, hoping and really uh, looking forward to discussing what I am now naming the sidereal movement. We, yeah, everyone has a movement and this is our movement. So really excited with um, the rise of a new branch of astrology, which was genius by Dana Lynn Knuckles, who is um, known as, as the people's Oracle on Instagram, Twitter, and social media platforms. Everybody go follow her, subscribe to her content. It's amazing. Um, But with that new branch of astrology, it's um, set fire to a new way for us to conceptualize both astrology and divination as a tool for liberation. So I thought it would be very timely and amazing to be joined by guests, um, sidereal astrologers, Winter and Madison who We've been um, in conversation about what's been going on sidereally and otherwise, and are kind of, uh, yeah, these the, the, the astrologer is really doing um, the sidereal work as well as we've um, kind of committed ourselves to that, if I um, am okay with saying that. So um, today we're really just going to talk. About this idea of movement all that entails. We'll give you a little astrology. We'll give you a little um, personal narratives and stories because Venus, you know, is still doing Venus stuff in Sagittarius. But I want to start off with a question for my guests as they introduce themselves, and we can. We'll start with Winter. So Winter and. Then Madison, how did you come to astrology and what does divination for liberation mean for you? That'll just be how we begin and thanks for joining.
1: Hmm. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, you posed such a big question. So first off, I'm Winter, um, also known as Mixed Mercury on all platforms, and I've been studying astrology In earnest, since 2017, as soon as I graduated from college, I got home and I was like, I want to study what I want to study instead of what someone else wants me to learn. And I just picked astrology. At the time, it was tropical astrology, just because that's what I knew. That's what was available. Those are the resources that I had. But I had been following an astrologer, Dana, you already mentioned the People's Oracle on Twitter especially in the latter half of 2016, around the election, and she was the only astrologer who was actually, I felt like saying what was going on, and talking about astrology in a way that directly related to what was actually going on in real time, politically, economically, like socially, culturally, like talking about racism, talking about whiteness, talking about capitalism, and just what really stood out to me about her perspective was the fact that she was anti all of those things. Whereas for me, you know, I grew up in a small town in Texas, white, conservative, um, very religious. And I just was none of those things. You know, I'm Black, I'm queer, I'm non-binary, even if I didn't really have language for it at the time. And I wouldn't say that I was, that I wasn't religious. I mean, I wasn't, but I wasn't You know, completely atheistic or agnostic. I just didn't really subscribe to Christianity specifically because, you know, what about everyone else? And I was just always curious, but it never landed with me. And so astrology felt like kind of a happy medium in the sense of, yes, believing in something greater than me that connects me to everything else that, you know, also may have some kind of source that drives it. But all of that to say, Dana was the first person that I heard basically speaking a lot of things that I'd felt internally, like growing up in the environment that I lived in that nobody else was talking about. And so I was like, maybe I should pay more attention to the way that she uses astrology. Cause it sounds like it's actually going to be a reflection of me and my experiences, instead of just completely ignoring them in a way that I feel like tropical just wanted to tell me I was emotional and, you know, um, I don't know. It just, it, it was telling me a lot of things that I was like, I am really emotional, but not like cancer is emotional. I'm emotional in the way that Scorpio is emotional and my emotions offended everyone else around me. You know, it was stuff like that, that the context for what these signs and what these planets mean lined up more with reality. Whereas tropical just felt a little too woo woo, I guess, to be practical. So all of that to say, um, You know, I went to school for psychology. Um, I've always been really interested in psychology just for myself. And there is a way that the two together helped me understand more about myself in a way that I didn't have to fully subscribe to the institution. You know, I didn't have to fully subscribe to psychologists and psychiatrists and big pharma and Western medicine and all of these other things. It was like, no, I can tie together and see in myself the way that these two systems have things in common. And I can find the nuances between the two and use them together. So if that answers your question, <laughs> that's why, at least how I came to sidereal astrology and why um, sidereal astrology in particular works better for me and kind of how I use it. So
0: thanks, Munster. I definitely do. Uh, Madison, what about you? What? Uh, how did you come to astrology and, you know, what does divination for liberation mean for you?
2: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm um, super excited to be here, and that's a good question. Um, I think I first found astrology in a middle school library book. It said Sagittarius, so I was like, that's me, um, and I quickly kind of became obsessed. I was definitely one of those book kids that spent more time reading than anything else, and astrology was one of those things that I quickly became really fascinated by. Um, But like you, Winter, I grew up in a small Texas conservative town. It wasn't really cool to be into that type of stuff. So it was kind of something I kept to myself. Um, Then I got into astrology even more on Tumblr as a kid. I was really into astrology Tumblr. Um, All of the big astrology Tumblrs, I was super into that. Um, And then at some point in, I want to say like 2018, I found Dana on Twitter and this was like life-changing for me in so many ways because one, she was using the sidereal zodiac. I didn't know what that was. (laughs) So I had to go look that up. Um, And then I at first didn't really like my sidereal chart because I was like trying to apply these tropical dynamics to it and it didn't work. So I was like, no, I'm just gonna keep using tropical. But after a while, what I realized is that what they were telling me wasn't matching up with my real lived experiences and what was actually happening. Um, It felt like I was kind of being gaslit almost because I was expecting one thing and it was really another. And I was feeling something totally different in my body. Um, And that was so confusing for me until I really decided to get deeper into Dana's work And it's called Divination for Liberation. And the thing about it that made it so impactful for me is again that she built her framework around this idea of being able to name the source of your suffering. And that meant she was giving me language. She was giving me names. She was giving me a way to communicate what is happening here. What is being gaslit? Why do I feel gaslit? And I realized you know, through going through a framework again, naming the source of your suffering as being like, actually, that's whiteness, that's capitalism, that's patriarchy. And that was the first time that I felt like someone was telling me the truth about who I was and what I was seeing and what was happening around me and how those three things were really impacting my life and my family and my job and my school. Um, so I never really looked back after that. I just quickly became obsessed with it. And I still am, so that's
0: it. Uh, That's interesting, um, and thanks both of y'all for sharing, because my experience has been something similar. I remember getting into astrology uh, way back. It wasn't really always, um, because I grew up um, trying to find magic, however I could in in whatever form, Um, but it was and getting into it you know in college it was i was trying to study but it's just always felt so overwhelming so like what is like any of this you know and even though when i would put pieces together i bought a lot of books and did all that stuff what i always found was that they just never told you like how they came to their conclusions and i think that was a barrier for people who were really trying to study astrology because i was trying to be a legit student and i'm the kind i learned tarot you know on my own so i was like astrology i don't not that i don't need a teacher i don't need to pay these courses to figure out the information that you're telling me if it's a consistent kind of you know system and so like tropical you know i I was doing horror not horoscopes but i was doing um because I never understood what the what that was, you know, um, how to get to a or horoscope, you know, I, I found, you know, that those things were done through rising signs and all this like technique stuff that you're just like these are the thi- these are the materials that I need just to be able to do this on my own. And it wasn't until I found Dana who really pushed um, the people who, who were interested in the astrology that she was trailblazing was really like. Giving like showing you, well, this is how you do it. You know, it's not just a matter of listening to me and what I have to say because I can't do your individual chart you know, all the time in that sense. I like how she really pushed people to be their own astrologers, which is something she'll you hear her say. Um, and that and her products and her stuff um, is really designed for that. And that's really where I um like I came to astrology just like everybody else but I think it wasn't until I found Dana that I was like this is some serious stuff and really like put my like the foot to the gas being like I have to figure this out because what she's saying resonates and reflects my actual experience um and it's just a matter of well how do I understand what she's talking about um and it was a really nice uh it was challenging definitely at first but I feel like um once um the divination for liberation concept really uh, got more words to it. I began to understand what, how that was being seen in my own life, and I was already doing that with tarot and uh, black political history, and connecting those two and all that. Um, so, just to move on to um, you know a little bit more, which will be the question I'm going to ask y'all on um, how do I use it, how do you use it, and why this tool. Um, I, I'll share a little bit about my experience, which, you know, cause I started with tarot and I love tarot. I was doing tarot. I've been doing tarot for forever, but, um, astrology and sidereal astrology specifically was like, um, what I liked, what uh, Dana did was really showing how, uh, you can use that and what Madison said to name your experiences to identify the root of those issues. Um, so that's something, and that for me, built into my personal practice already where I'm uh, using Tarot to do something very similar. We're, We're like, nah, I'm not trying to talk to you about the fluff and this is pentacles and money. And it's like, this is the issue that's causing you stress that's in your way to being liberated from whatever it is that's preventing you from getting closer to who you are and to connecting with your spirit. That's the goal of what we're trying to do when we come here. and so. Um, I was really excited that this branch of astrology really supports that and then provides you the language um, that can give, that can help other people. So that's kind of why I use it and what it meant for me as part of, as I integrated it into my practice that I kind of already had, you know, in a way at that point, I didn't really launch until recently. Um, but I'm curious, um, you know, Winter and Madison, whichever one wants to go first, you know, how do you use it, um, you know, in, in both your personal stuff, but also your, your professional practice? Like, what is the goal of what you use um, a SIDEO for? And um, why this tool, if, you're in, if you do other ones, why this? why do you use this tool in the way that you do? It?
2: I think that's a really good question. So I think to answer that, I kind of have to go back to that idea almost of being gaslit again, feeling like I felt gaslit by tropical astrology. Um, and then sidereal making me realize that again, those three things, things—you know, whiteness, capitalism, patriarchy were also gaslighting me um, to the point to where I couldn't see myself for who I really was. I couldn't see anybody around me for who they really were. Um, And I was in a very confused, upset, lonely, depressive period of my life um, when I found sidereal. And what sidereal really did for me, again, being able to name the source of your suffering, just confirmed that what I was feeling in my body and what I thought I was seeing wasn't wrong. My hurt was valid. It was real. There were reasons for it that were outside of my control. It wasn't my fault. And this is how it made me who I really am. And also just kind of being able to recognize that. It's kind of something Dana has said, like you can't heal a wound if you don't know that you have it, if you can't see it. And so sidereal kind of allowed me to name the source of my wounds to a point to where I could be like, okay, it was really, you know, capitalism that did this. It was really like patriarchy that did this, that really made my parents act this way towards me. Or that way towards other people, and that impacted me this way. And throughout all of my relationships, and really being able to see like, why am I experiencing so much conflict internally, but also within all of my relationships to the point to where I was feeling so depressed and down, and like I couldn't move forward with my life in any kind of way. I felt very stuck. Um, and astrology kind of helped me be like, okay, this is the problem. So now, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to approach this? How am I going to Try to see this person's point of view. How am I going to try to express my own in a way that is clear and concise and makes sense to other people? Harder to do than you would think. Um, But also, I think it helped me organize my life. You know, I have some pretty severe ADHD, and everything was just like a jumble in my head. And astrology kind of helped me take it out and be like, one, two, three, X, Y, Z, and then organize what was going on in my head and the different things that I was experiencing again my body ADHD is kind of like this whole system disruption your nervous system is disrupted your ability to focus is disrupted and really be like why why can I focus here not there on this and not that um yeah I also use tarot Um, I really like tarot too I kind of got into doing tarot readings before I did astrology and I think like we were saying the other day tarot is really a good way to kind of read the energy of the moment and how you're feeling and what's really happening with you right now but what makes material astrology different is that it's not just right now it's every single moment since you've been born and then there are patterns every single year of your life that you can go back and you can look at and you can read the pattern and be like okay every time the moon is in Pisces I feel sad why is that what's happening on the Pisces moon that's making me kind of feel this way and then you can address it you can be like oh because i'm reflecting on this i'm having this experience over and over and over again how do i get out of that how do i find a path forward um and i think tarot is good for the moment but astrology allows you to really zoom out and look at the big picture in a uh jupiterian kind of way let me zoom out let me look at everything and now i can focus more if that makes sense yeah
1: that's all i have to say
0: (laughs) Madison. What about you, Winter?
1: Yeah, I love that you ended on that note of patterns, because that's what I was going to start with. Um, I think for me, I've always been curious about the mind, mostly because I've been curious about my own. Uh, there's a lot of ways that, I don't know, ever since I was little, like, I always had questions, I was always curious. Um, but I also recognized really, really early on that I was just different somehow from the people around me. And there were a lot of ways that I think I was blind to my own differences just from being dissociated, you know, and not realizing that I was like literally dissociated from my body to the extent that I actually couldn't see myself. And I think, you know, whenever it comes to being able to see yourself, I don't necessarily think anyone can, you know, off the bat, it takes a while to get to the point self-awareness, you know, being something that comes over time and through lived experiences. But yeah, just from being really young and really curious, um, having my own issues with anxiety, having my own issues with um, depression from very, very young, but also wanting to know how things worked, but really wanting to know the truth. Like I don't, I never wanted to be lied to. I never wanted things to be sugar-coated. I didn't want to just be fed a story Without context, but oftentimes I was, I was just told what something was without the why. And I think there's a way that over time I noticed myself in patterns constantly, because I'm very observant and I do. um, My memory is ridiculous. Like I remember everything against my will. (laughs) And I would just notice like, over time, even certain times of the year, the way that I was feeling or the ways, the things that would happen and things were just very consistent and in patterns. And so, I mean, that being one of the things that drew me to astrology in and of itself was like, clearly there's there's gotta be like a system or a key that I can reference that's like cyclical besides just annual months and days in the Gregorian calendar. And after studying psychology and getting really interested in self-awareness I think astrology in the same way that Madison was saying like helped me see things that I just was literally blind to including ways that I had to behave to survive and um, again this thing of being able to identify the source of your your suffering but also identify the things that drive you to do and behave and move through life the way that you do and so using it as a tool for self-awareness for me and really just like as a way to analyze the psyche that doesn't, that isn't so prescriptive, you know, that isn't trying to put you on medication. Cause I've had that experience too. That isn't trying to, um, I don't know, like there's a way that psychology and therapy, I think can work absolutely. And it is something I do believe in, but I do think the psychologist or the therapist has to be helping you see yourself in a way that's not through the lens of capitalism and whiteness and patriarchy of all the ways that you have to survive it's like knowing that all of these things are acting on you like who do you have to be versus like who are you and i think that's been the biggest thing that sidereal has illuminated to me is that like oh this person that i'm actually very ashamed of i'm only ashamed of it because someone else told me to be you know All of these patterns of behavior that i'm in are not necessarily because i want to behave that way or because i'm making these decisions with my own free will it's like no like i had to figure out how to survive a certain type of situation in a certain type of circumstance and i think it's been really liberating to know that that wasn't me you know that i didn't have to be that person and i think I think it's hard to come to terms with the person that you are, whenever you feel like you're really ashamed of that person. (laughs) I don't know. And I guess like, I'm having trouble kind of finding language for it now, but there is a way that having language for, and being able to identify things that happened that made you respond in the ways that you responded, you know, Um, there's an opportunity to at least become aware of that and choose differently, at least in terms of recognizing when you do when things are actually in your control and being able to act on that versus like trying to control things that are beyond you or that are outside of you. It's like coming into right relationship with how much influence, how much impact I actually have doing less instead of doing more in a lot of situations, oftentimes um, and allowing myself to rest. And so whenever I give readings, that's a big thing that I try to offer people is like, look, things happen to you that were out of your control. And there's a way that I think we try to compensate for that throughout the rest of our lives. And sometimes there's a lot of things we just need to put down. And I feel like astrology is a good way for me, sidereal astrology for me is a good way of recognizing like when to pick things up, when to put things down. And what is it that I'm trying to pick up and put down and navigate in the first place? Um, It really is about recognizing who I am and what I need and what I desire without all of these other external influences Deciding so much of that for me.
0: That's so interesting. I think, um, and you, I think you hit on something really, really interesting. Because, you know, when you're saying this, that's kind of what you want to offer people too. I do find it. I find it uh, fascinating in this work, this divination, where where it's like using what works for you and and really being that that being the thing that you can offer makes you unique. Um, to other people, because um, as we're, you know, the, my next question was going to be, who are you as an astrologer? You know, what do you look for, you know, in a chart, but also just when you're, when you're about to get into this practice, like, what is it that you want to offer? And I know for me, um, it's been since, you know, especially with tarot since the beginning, I've found that self-awareness you know, uh, is is uh, one of the key things to just being able to really get to know who you are. Is being is not internalizing that self consciousness. Is not being like just because someone sees me means that's who I am. Is saying, well, if somebody can see me like this, you know, or uh, identifies me as this, what do I do with that information? How can how does it kind of inform the way that um, I'm becoming aware of myself? And so. Because I had found tarot, you know, in my own journey of like, who am I? Leaving, you know, my my parents, uh, my parents' kind of influence um, and control. You know, granted, it was what they, what how they were surviving, but it was it was preventing me from being able to fully discover who I was. And so when I found tarot, tarot and I really wanted to bring that gift back to other people, look at how this thing can help you see your situation. In a different way. And I think a sidereal astrology, because I've just been recently um been, I've just kind of recently announced myself as that. While you you know, Winter and Madison have been doing this work for quite some time and have built you know their their really their practice um with some more time, but I do find that um that who i am as an astrologer has is who i was as a tarot reader who i am as a person who i am as someone who um divines which is like what are we which is what we were talking earlier Saturn. very like this is what the situation is and i really like being that person for people it's been something i've learned that i'm like i really like this because sometimes i mean this is what i would want and this is what i go to you know winter madison or whoever i trust with this this kind of work to, that's why i'm going to you i'm like i need you to tell me some the the reality because i'm not seeing it or i'm having trouble seeing it or i don't understand it or you know i'm i'm the context is being lost on me right now so really being, so I think for me, I really like to bring to um, astrology um, and to and to tarot, also like Madison was saying, this identity of this thing of patriarchy, of white supremacy, being able to be like, these are the things that are influencing how you're there. Because I, I get a lot of, um, and I'm proud to be getting black and brown people because those are the people I wanna help the most in my personal practice is being like, do you see how, you know, even your parents, which is like my biggest story, which is like your parents, not, you know, however you feel about them is however you feel about them, but it's understanding where they come from and how they're affected by white supremacy, how they've been affected by patriarchy and how that's been transferred to you. And in order for you to break what it is that's happening to you, it's again, identifying what is going on to be then doing that that the right way. Um, but that's kind of a little bit for me like who I am as an astrologer someone who's coming in and trying to really be that uh, and and for me I'm also learning what I liked about Siberia as I've been doing kind of dipping myself into readings has been like people um, just having that space like giving people that space that's what I found it to be like the most satisfying part of this word is like sometimes people just need that space for someone to just be like it's okay to like break down it's okay to like feel hurt as i'm telling you what has hurt you for you to like have that moment in time where you're just processing it and just being like wow like that really did affect me and me being like yes it did you know and this is how it, it's making your. this is how it's built into your story this is the patterns that you can see yourself kind of um in and then break it when you're when you're um when you're aware of that you're kind of in it again how does that how does that evolve your story you know and how does that kind of add to um who you are um like like winter was saying become as you become aware of who you are and using those tools so um yeah that's my question for 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 y'all i think um you know who how has how have how is you uh becoming aware of 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 sidereal astrology as the right tool for you to use to divine how did how does that form you know who you how do you kind of come to charts and your experience and all that
1: um and where it can start yeah totally so I've always wanted to be a therapist I think um mostly because I always, I let me take that back. I wanted to be the therapist that I always needed for other people. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to go to school to do that. I already did the undergrad part and I was like, I don't want to put more money into grad school and then never pay it off and have student debt. I was just like, no, I refuse, especially because I didn't identify with a lot of those systems. And so astrology being the tool that I was able to speak about exactly what was going on without having to cite some kind of other, you know, historical white figure man who, you know, Freud and young, like, which, I mean, I kind of like young here and there, but for the most part, it's like, I don't want to have to cite these other people who had their own biases, who were underneath their own influences and all these other things. It's like, no, my, my source in a big way is also a black woman. You know, I think that's so important first off that, Um, knowing that someone who's articulating the system has had a lot of the same experiences that I've had, um, is one of the biggest points of why. And then also as an astrologer, when people come to me, a lot of what you said in terms of being able to hold space for people, but really like holding up a mirror for people to look at and see themselves and be able to say like, look, like you said, to be Saturn for people this is what this is, this is what happened. And even though all of these other people tried to tell you what happened, tried to tell you how you felt, tried to tell you what you were experiencing, your perception and your personal um, experience and the way that you saw it, the way that it landed for you, the way that it impacted you, that matters more than what anybody else could ever tell you about how you felt. And I find that that tends to be a really common experience for people And I think it's really, really, really important for me to validate other people's experience of what their chart means to them. So if someone comes into me for a reading and we're going through all of their placements and the elements and the modalities and whatever these aspects of the chart, um, it's less so about me saying like, this is what this placement is for you. It's like, these are the themes, you know, some general themes, some general topics around this planet, this sign, this house, whatever how do you see that show up in your life whenever I mention those themes? And I just ask them like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Cause more times than not, the first thing that comes to mind is the thing that they remember the most is the thing that impacted them the most. And so for me, it's reverse engineering from experiences to say like, this is what this meant for you based on what you've just shared with me. I don't necessarily want to do this kind of like hat trick thing of like, oh, I'm psychic and I can read your chart and tell you your whole life. I mean, some people, If we have similar placements it really feels that way because your story is my story but in general it's like i want to help people remember you know and remember things that they're not consciously aware of i think (laughs) i always joke that the sun is a malefic you've heard me say that a million times something that dana says a lot too everything that you perceived and that you see um while you did see it, doesn't necessarily mean that that's what that was. You know, there's a lot of ways that your own mind, again, is trying to help you survive, especially really traumatic things. Like your mind isn't just going to help you, isn't just going to have you remember that exactly the way that it was. Like we're going to create stories. We're going to create narratives. We're going to create other reasons around why certain things happened, mostly so we can protect ourselves if it should happen again, or so that we can recognize it before it happens. When a lot of times, probably the way that you processed an event is only part of the story, I'll say. So um, I think being able to sometimes unpack things and be able to just see it for what it was without putting projecting so much onto it, I guess, has also been something that I think has been really liberating for me for other people um, cause they feel really validated. They feel seen and they especially feel heard in that. Okay. Someone's not telling me how to feel. Someone's not trying to move me out of these feelings. Um, they're giving me something that I probably need to grieve. And I don't feel like there's very much space for that anywhere. Cause we have to go back to work. You know, we have to, life goes on and you can't really sit and have a pity party around something that happened to you whenever you were six, but it's like, okay. But that thing that happened to me when I was six changed my whole life. So probably worth actually talking about it, whether I was too young to understand it or not. So yeah, kind of a specific example, but in general, like that's, that's really what I use this tool for. It's a tool for remembering and it's a tool for validating. And I feel like that does a lot for you as an adult um, to not recreate all the patterns for having to cope with these moments, you know, in time. Um, And it's also a clock just to throw that into it also helps me to know that, you know, this isn't the time for doing whatever it is that I'm trying to do, or maybe this isn't the time for action. Maybe this is the time for waiting. Um, it's good to know when the moments are for change and when the moments are for rest, when the moments are for growth, when the moments are for harvesting, so on and so forth. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Wow, I love so much of what you said, Winter, by which I mean, like, 100% of it. <laughs> and you said it so well that I almost feel like it's scripted, but I don't think it is. I think you're just, like, you're so good at expressing yourself, um, and I'm just really, oh, I'm mind blown by it. Um, I know I have to follow that up. Um... <laughs> I really liked what you said about, again, using astrology as this tool of remembering and validating um, your own experiences and really seeing yourself, but also seeing what your experiences were for what they were instead of what someone else told you it was. And really, again, coming back to your own perspective. Um, And I think that's something that's been very important for me too, because again, like my gaze has been stolen by white supremacy. I grew up in a very white town um, and wow. capitalism, patriarchy, this whole gender thing really affected, you know, my identity and the way I saw myself, like every relationship that I was in. Um, very intense. Um, but as for this question of like who am I as a side shelter, I've overthought this so much. <laughs> and to me. I think it really comes down to what am I using astrology for? How am I helping other people with astrology? And I took some time to think about it. And to me, it's really about coming out of survival mode. Because Mm. all of these, all of these, you know, gazes that have been put on me are something that like, wasn't something that I chose or that I wanted, or I was even consciously aware of. It was kind of one of those things that, you know, Saturn comes in and slaps you in the face and is like, hey, do you really think that? Do you really believe that? Is that really what you're going to do? Is that really what that was? Um, And then you're like, ooh, it wasn't, (laughs) you know? Um, But when you're on survival mode, you can't see that. You don't have time to process what's happening or who's making you think and feel a certain way or like because of the stories that you've been given or how those stories are matching up. You just kind of have to do what you got to do until you can get to a point where you can rest and breathe and calm down and look around and process, you know, the last 25 years of my life. Right. And I am still in the process of trying to get out of survival mode. So much of my life, I think maybe, maybe since I was seven, that first Saturn square, I've been in survival mode and it really was because of my parents and my parents' relationship with each other, my parents' relationship again with those internalized gazes with their parents, with poverty, with capitalism, you know, trying to meet these expectations of patriarchy and whiteness that they just couldn't meet again because of the poverty that they were experiencing. That was generational. Um, So just being able to really look at that and be like, okay, I've been in survival mode this long. I don't know what rest is. I don't know what that is. And really just trying to really dig deep into, I think, generational cycles. I think that's what's most important to me as a, a soldier in terms of figuring out what's my life story. Why did this happen to me? Why did I go through this? Why? etc. Why, 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 right? Um, And just kind of being able to find my own answers and trust my own intuition, my own perspective, my own body, because I couldn't do that for so long. I didn't trust myself. I didn't know myself. I couldn't think for myself. I couldn't trust myself to make a decision to save my life. You know, I really had to be like, wait, my perspective is real. What's happening? My body is real. What's happening me being in survival mode is real, even though everyone keeps telling me that I've got it good and I should just get over it. And I'm like, why am I so depressed? (laughs) You know, why can't I move forward? Um, So when I'm looking at people's charts, the first thing that I really want to look at is, you know, how, where are your parents? What were your parents like? How did your parents create you? How do your relationship with your parents affect every other relationship that you have? Um, because even if your parents are in your life that make a huge difference on how you're going to talk to every single person that you know, from a romantic partner, to a best friend, to your coworkers, to your boss, to other community members that you're in contact with, um, that relationship with your parents is foundational and informs everything else that you do. Um, so yeah, coming out of survival mode, again, looking at these generational cycles and really understanding from what they are. Um, so that you can break them and move on and hopefully create a world where people don't have to survive those things anymore, right? And I printed out my notes from one of Dana's classes because I really like this part and this idea, one lecture, go buy it. Um, she asks, what is liberation? And she says, liberation is the act of communal imagining and Dana's a genius, right? I really, really love this idea of communal imagining, and I think it's because, again, growing up, I felt so isolated from everyone around me, and everyone I was in community with, because I just really wasn't um, buying what they were selling, <laughs> but I had to eat it anyway, because there was nothing else to eat type of situation, and um, And astrology has really moved me into a space where I feel like I have community. I have people that are seeing the same thing that I'm seeing and feeling the same thing and are validating that I'm real, that we're real, that our struggles are real. Um, And not only that, but being like, this is a cycle that we can break. We can imagine a new world for ourselves, for our children, for the next generation. Um, And that's really important to me. I want the world to be a better place, so yeah that's it
1: that. Ooh, so good i love that the liberation
0: as a as a uh, this communal imagining I you
2: right i love it so much so
0: good so thanks y'all for this um kind of part we're gonna move into the astral to some astrology like deep talk um after we take a short little break it's like
2: snow Okay, we're
0: back and we're reading the chart that we pulled for this episode, um, which is February. I don't, I guess we should just say the time right, February 12th. Um, and so we'll be describing it to folks because this is obviously audio, um, but we are pulling up a chart. Um, and for, I guess if folks want to look at it, it's February 12th. Um, 11 a.m. Central Time. Remember to use Lahiri, the Lahiri Ashnam and whole sign houses. If you know, folks listening want to pull up the chart themselves and see what we're talking about. So, Aries is rising. How Woo-hoo. so we know that this is Cardo about taking control and power and fire about um, uh, our influence on um things and mars is in the ninth house so disrupting us we we're, we could be mars in this disrupting of uh institutional ninth houses is religious institutions academic institutions and we're talking astrology today too which is contained within the ninth house so while and there's a i don't uh, there's a venus there's a Mars and Venus conjunction kind of building, and on February 16th, there's going to be um, that kind of that that conjunction will perfect. And so this is the build up towards that. As, as um, folks may or may not know, the most important period in time to look for is not the actual conjunction; it's the build up to it. So I find this really interesting for us because it's it's Mars kind of uh, in Sagittarius, so severing, um, these stories that we've been contending with over the Venus in Sagittarius retrograde and seeing where it leads us, Um, does it separate us from a specific community but connect us to another, and does it separate, and how does that separation, um, bring us back into who we are as individuals as well and what we believe our own story. that's me setting it off. The question is: Is what do y'all think? What's true?
2: <laughs> um, great question. What do we think? Um, I really like that you pulled this chart for our episode with the Aries rising again. We're talking about contending with this idea of power and control. Um, so if anybody listening doesn't know what a house lord is, um, the ruler of the sign in a certain house. Uh, would be your house lord so like um Elias was saying Mars would be the ruler of this chart Mars and Sagittarius it's conjunct Venus and Sagittarius it's been there for a while kind of kicking everyone's butts um and in the ninth house we're talking about institutions and this whole episode has really been us kind of discussing like how do we contend with the power of institutions in our lives again that institution of by supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, how does that really affect us? But also Sagittarius, we're talking about stories. What are the stories that those institutions have told us about who we are, what we are worth, what we are allowed to have, not allowed to have, who we're allowed to be, who are not allowed to be, if we exist or not, you know, do the words that we use to divine ourselves, are they in the dictionary, do we exist? Um, and really just kind of, I think, So your astrology is really this way of contending, what is that story they told me and how is it not true? So Mars, you know, the tool of Mars is to sever and to cut. So with Mars, we're really kind of cutting away and moving away from the story that we've been given through this tool of astrology. But Venus, you know, the tool of Venus is to connect where this is something that we're doing together. Again, I think that comes back to that point of liberation, this act of commutable imagining, writing our own stories from our own perspective. And again, you know, growing our own food—that's a huge part of it too. Mm-hmm. Writing our own books, you know, making our own TV shows, you know, that are about us. So, I like that. Yeah.
1: I yeah. love that. I love that, and I love what you said about, you know, what are what are the stories that these that these institutions and that these bigger elements have told us about ourselves, and do we even believe them? Um, I was looking at, of course, Jupiter and Aquarius. Um, Have in that sextile kind of like the subtle reinforcement between, well, it's not that subtle, but the reinforcement between (laughs) the stories you've always been told and kind of the ways that that's erased who we actually are in a lot of different ways. Um, But coming to this moment now where, especially with Jupiter in the 11th house, like audiences and fans and um, helpful people, mentors, benefactors, just like community in a sense, being able to come together with other people who have been marginalized and erased by these same stories and being able to say like just because this is you know who they've always told us we are doesn't necessarily mean that that's who we are it doesn't mean that that's who we are we can actively decide to disengage with those stories because they're not about us and what I kind of like about this chart as you were speaking Madison was the opposition um, between Venus and Mars and the moon in Gemini I was thinking about the moon in the third house as what's familiar. And I think it's hard to recognize the familiar sometimes as, you know, in a way it's the double, you know, it's the thing that you've always engaged with. It's the thing that you may not even recognize because it's, you know, in your own family <laughs> in a way, or it's the thing that you've always dealt with. And I think until you can name it until you can call it out and say what it is, you really don't realize that just because it's familiar, it it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, and I think through this process of communal imagining, like we've been speaking about and being able to give language, give, um, give language and to name our experiences for what they are versus, you know, the indoctrination piece of it, of what we've always been told, um, gives us an opportunity to, A, see ourselves outside of those stories and to, again, be able to create our own narratives. And I also think, of course, like a Capricorn stellium in the 10th house on the midheaven with the sun, Saturn, Mercury, like these are the planets that Jupiter and Aquarius is basically like on the phone with trying to say, hey, so what's actually going on? And what is it that we need to come to terms with first before we can start to imagine something different? Because Until you can really sit and say soberly what something is, you can't imagine something new because you're just going to keep recreating those familiar patterns because it's all that you know. And so I love that we have Mercury there giving us the language and the conversations around um, what we actually do have the power to control and navigate and what it is that we're working with. Saturn, of course, as the what is and the sun also illuminating. That's kind of where our focus is. Um, especially since by the end of the day the sun's going to move into Aquarius and then we can kind of start focusing on those new storylines hopefully a little bit more once you know Venus and Mars move to Capricorn and we can be more sober in our assessment but yeah these are exciting times.
0: Sorry Um, I wanted to uh, yeah to point out I actually didn't see the Gemini even though I knew today the moon was in Gemini but I didn't pinpointing into this chart, and I like that. I like what you were saying about that opposition. And I'm really curious too, like how that, the, the word like um, curiosity is really coming to me as that, where and we talked about this, right? Where it's, it's um, and that, that opposition, because I'm, there's something about, about this opposition, because I have it in my own chart, which is that ninth and third house kind of opposition. Um, actually, now that I see this, literally moon and Mars is my opposition just kind of like flipped over in a different sign. But the point being of how um, our experience with people, we know how that is really um, different from what the institutions are telling us and how that becomes our form of knowledge. I've like thought about the third house a little bit too with this, you know, with with how like, and, and the way I've been lightly like thinking about it and, is like the institutions kind of create like they're 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 um, establishing like knowledge or forms of knowledge as as you know I guess elevated to communal something that can become essentially access to everybody, which is taking common knowledge I think and like bringing it you know somewhere things that people know when we talk about and we experience how does someone kind of bring it to this this higher place that helps uh. That, that can be applied a little, maybe a little bit more broadly. Um, so all of that to say, like, I, I, I find this interesting because, um, uh, because how do we, how does our curiosity benefit us in this, this severing of old stories, right? Of how we've, um, how we've done something, when it's kind of like, well, is this how we have to do it? Do you do it this way? I don't do it this way. I don't believe this. I don't believe that way. So, but go ahead, Winter. I know I, I feel you.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that you asked about curiosity. Like, as you were asking that question, I was thinking about since we're in, well, we're moving into what feels like unfamiliar territory. Um, I was thinking about us doing this podcast and it being kind of the first time that the three of us are really speaking to a bunch of people about astrology in this way. And I was thinking about Aries in this case, like, no, we can't just go out and change the world individually by, you know, brute force and will and all that kind of stuff. But we can learn by doing and trying new things, by being curious about different ways of going about um, sharing this information and not having to be so, I guess, I don't want to say not having to be so certain about how it's going to turn out and the impact that it's going to have, and and are people going to receive? I don't know. It's really just this moment of taking the risk of speaking our minds and putting it out there, and seeing where it goes from here, and letting it be a start um, in a new direction without really getting too bogged down in all the potential consequences <laughs> and outcomes in a way that I think you know Libra and maybe even Virgo would get caught up sometimes in oh, I need it to look a certain way. It needs to sound a certain way. We need to make sure we hit these points and we need to have all of these, like there's just kind of a way that we're just doing it um, with some awareness of our own limitations and the limitations of this medium and all the ways that we're we're also conforming to the moment in a way that we're being resourceful um, in doing this and also trusting ourselves to know that the knowledge and the practice that we put into this we'll carry this the way that we need it to, you know, that we do have a level of sincerity in what we believe. Um, And we're also curious, I think, for ourselves, in the sense that it's okay if we don't get it exactly right the first time, but at least we're trying, we're doing something about it. So that's what came up for me when you asked that question.
2: I really like what you said about everything with the Aries Ascendant. Um, especially cause like, there's this idea of this is the first time that we're really doing this. Yeah. And I think when you're doing something for the first time, I think it also is really important to know that there are no other sidereal astrology podcasts. There are no other sidereal astrologers besides Dana that are doing what we're doing. Um, so this is really the first time that anybody is going to hear what this is in this way you know, outside of Dina's YouTube videos. um, And just having seen people have a conversation about it and being community about it. And I think that's really important, because I think a lot of people are kind of afraid to let Tropical go, because there's this idea of, well, if you're not talking about Tropical with everybody else, then who are you talking to yourself? Mm -hmm. Right? So I think it's really important that we're kind of coming together and being the first people to kind of really create this space for other people to kind of come in and feel welcome and feel like there's a space for them and they can kind of really see what this is. You know what I'm saying? Like I think it takes, um, what was that word? Audacity. It takes some audacity to walk in the room and say something different than what everyone else is saying. And I think that's kind of what this podcast is too. Um, And then I also wanted to say that like when y'all were talking about the moon opposite, Mars I really liked everything that both of y'all said but I had this like analogy in my head that was like this vision that I was having as you guys were talking and it's like to me it feels like the moon is trying to like defend itself against Mars like Mars and the moon don't really they don't really like each other so Mars is kind of like what up and the moon's like oh I don't know how I'm gonna deal with this someone's coming at me what I'm gonna do Right, and then when Gemini is then answering to you, have this Mercury cord, and Capricorn. It's like I'm going to ask questions, but not only am I going to ask questions, but ask questions about what is real. What are you really saying to me? Is this story real? Is it true? Does it add up? Is there material consequences for what you're saying? What are the material consequences of me believing this story versus not believing this story versus what it really is? Um, and again, it's right next there, right there next to Saturn and Capricorn. You know, that's the pandemic. That's you know, something Dana called years ago, you know, Saturn and Capricorn is the pandemic. And at first I was like, man, I don't know, but we're two years in, and I'm like, oh, she's right about everything. So <laughs> <laughs> what we're really saying, what we're really confronting here, I think, is the gaslighting from these institutions as well about what is really happening. Saturn's really defining. The moment that we're in collectively, and we're all collectively experiencing gaslighting from these institutions about what is happening with the economy, with the pandemic, are vaccines real? Can you trust them? What mask should you wear? That mask's not good enough anymore, you know, and just trying to navigate how do you protect yourself from death in this moment and, I, I, and being lied to over and over again to the point where you don't know how to protect yourself from Mars anymore.
0: And. Yeah. I, Exactly, like you're saying, Madison. It's also like so. Then how do you start asking the right questions? If if Mars is you know, because Mars is Sagittarius is is kind of like you know disrupting the could be disrupting the indoctrination one way or the other, but it could also is also that other side of like also forcibly kind of making like pushing that onto you. So how does how does the you know this? I think because it was like this video I saw of, of these journalists kind of talking with these with with like government officials, which ruled by night house is like how do you how are you asking these questions and then getting this this anger and this thing of like I'm just I'm just asking something curious because my life depends on it. And I think um, us like um, you know because this is for this podcast, but also how this reflects something bigger. It's like well when we start valuing information in a different way. I mean, we don't have to wait for these these things to tell us what something is to tell us the story. We just we just ask each other, have that conversation. Because it's like something I just love that third house. So just like everybody you know. And how do you kind of get information by a just like looking out, you know, being mutable and it's like, okay, this is what I this is the information that I see. Let me make this judgment also bringing together other people and saying okay well well, this is just i'm curious do you see the same thing that i see this Mm -hmm. is kind of what it is because um this is what i'm being told forcibly you know this is what i'm being told like mars being like this is what it is or whatever and we're kind of like well you keep you keep telling me this is what something is but i don't know for certain that what you're saying is true, why? Because the material reality, you know, with Mercury is telling me that, has, has proven and shown me the arts I'm seeing doesn't match up, you know what I mean?
1: Totally. It is like a at the same time that a lot of new things are happening, new converse, not new conversations, but I guess like the voices of people who we haven't been able to hear from before in terms of, you know, immunocompromised and disabled and neurodivergent and like all of these groups that have been erased by the fact that you know maybe they can't contribute to the labor force in the same way that you know so many other people can and it's like man that's something I've been thinking about a lot just in terms of this push back to normal of like why is that the thing that we want to be normal being able to disregard your need for sleep you know to be like, it's kind of this question of like, who can be dysregulated the most, you know, Um, who can sacrifice themselves the most, who is just willing to grind blindly um, until the wheels fall off. And I think, again, because that's just what's always been done. That's the way things have always been. There's also that aspect of Capricorn that kind of can't see beyond what is sometimes. And it's like, that square between Saturn and Aries is like, well, I'm going to just keep trying to push this wall down because I, because I want to. And it's like, yeah, it's a wall. You can't, um, <laughs> you're going to have to figure out a different way to negotiate with the wall, I think, or something like that. But um, I was also thinking about, um, I lost my train of thought a little bit there was something you said about mars and beating these stories into our heads in a way um
0: it's okay i can jump in if you're
1: yeah go for it i'm gonna try to come back to that
0: i was gonna say with jupiter just because what even you know, what you said kind of helped me trigger that right with uh um, just mar- I just love, I've been loving Jupiter and Aquarius because it's also helping us, like I've been telling my friends this too, like this story, like retelling and reimagining our story through self-determination, right? And what you just said about like things always being how, like this is how things have always been is what i and I'm a history buff as I'm sure, well, I hope people uh, will come to find that out. What I find interesting is the fact that, yeah, Capricorn, it is like, this is how it's always been, but something, and it's not a complete thought, but something with, with uh, Jupiter and Aquarius being like, well, this doesn't have to be, It it hasn't, doesn't have to be like this forever, you know, just because it's been like this for a period of time. It's like it doesn't have to continue to be like this, where Capricorn may get stunted in there, where it's like, well, we don't have time to imagine. I don't have time to think outside of what is in right in front of me. Aquarius is like been our saving grace and being like, because um, when I read history, I'm s I am will tell people, I'll tell you that it's it's a it's been a process where we are right now has been generations and generations of mm-hmm of, of, um, indoctrination and all of these things, um, of, of labor exploitation, like that is the literal basis of like the whole thing. Like, let's just start it there, you know, is, it's Europeans, uh, exploiting the labor of everybody, you know, and the Europeans of power really because they'll do it to themselves. They'll, they'll cannibalize and lose anybody who they can exploit labor out of. And as we're seeing with this conversation with this whole, like this union stuff, the, air, the, the Clips are going to switch into Aries and Libra which hey we're in an Aries ascendant so it's like this kind of like this this talk about how those those um those uh those ways of being have been violently like the this normal has, has been a violent like colonization of what is normal because what we what what is normal for us and what we're really trying to maintain the normal of is of the capitalists and the people in power, which is just people with wealth and money and and access to resources. Hello, Capricorn. And like how that, you know, how there's like that conflict that we're having with the fact that you can't keep hoarding all of these natural resources and all of this access to materials when the rest of the world is out here needing it and starving. How how are are we forcing them to contend with all that's been that's gotten us where we are? I just wanted to throw that in there.
2: I remember, like, everything that you said, I was going to say, you know, going back to that Mars, you know, we're really talking about what are the stories that we've been told about our labor, right, about the value of our labor, and then answering to that Jupiter Aquarius is, like, redefining the value of our labor. What is it really worth? Like, why are we not being paid what we should be paid? Why are these people allowed to, again, continue to exploit hundreds of millions of people to the point to where they're so wealthy that they're like shit and money you know <laughs> Like this is really a moment in time of like the pandemic really forcing us to slow down and be like the stories we've been told about the value of our labor are untrue. we deserve more and defining what that more is for us.
1: Yes, and thank you y'all both just reminded me of what I was going to say. I was gonna look at the elements in this chart that are present because, Um, of course fire on the ascendant, we've got three planets in fire, three planets in earth, two planets in air, no water, um, other than the node. Um, I believe that's the South node in Scorpio, but I was thinking about needing that sense of entitlement, right. That previously used to need to be this exaggeration or, um, overcompensation almost for your capabilities, your influence, um, and how for us in this moment, like we're both, utilizing entitlement in a way that's within the constraints of reality that's within it's in a pragmatic way with all of these earth signs of being able to say okay no like i can't just you know rome wasn't built in a day um and even though these things can't change overnight like i think a big piece of this is being willing to have the conversation in the first place being willing to talk about it to identify it to again name the source of your suffering in a big way when you talk about um the air in this chart Or Aquarius and Gemini we could just be quiet you know we could just keep things to ourselves we could just erase ourselves we could just um, be gullible and believe everything that we're being told we could just allow ourselves to be patronized and ignored and just dissociate from all of our problems but instead we're like look um, if we actually kind of lean into this sense of entitlement at least at the very least to our, to our own beliefs and like, speak on them and say them out loud. There might be somebody, a bunch of somebodies who also identify, who also agree. Um, all of these voices can come together to kind of create the change in a way that is, you know, consensual in a sense, but that is actually reflective of us and what we want for ourselves versus us just having to succumb to, um, you know, the withholding and the neglect and the, um, And the circumstances in a way that is taking us, I guess, out of our own power, you know, that's just us having to overcompensate in this way, you know, like overproduce and overconsume and we're trying to numb and we're doing all of these things, trying to regulate whenever half the battle sometimes is just releasing the indoctrination and being able to say, I just don't agree with that. And so I feel like a big piece of what we're doing right now too, is actively being like, Yeah, just because this is what all of y'all are doing doesn't necessarily mean that I even believe in it, too. You know, I have to go along with it to survive right now, but um, I don't want to forever. I think literally being able to say, like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) There's a lot of people who will find ways around just getting to that point of saying, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. So speaking up in a big way, too, I think is a massive part of the movement.
0: And exactly because we and something is feeling very uh mutable about this where it's like we have the privilege to ask why and to question that thing. You know, because I think that's what I also have found interesting about this time period has been this like work from home movement, this kind of like we don't need to be micromanaged in these office and it's breaking down the old ways of being. Because when you when we sit and we like kind of uh, bring in Jupiter again and collect imagine our collective liberation. We're not, we don't, we don't, we don't think about managers, which are just overseers, right? If you want to use, you know, the same, you know what I mean? This is causing a spade of spade. It's like, that's what people realize that like middle, middle management is really like the, the, like, we don't know, come back to the office. Look, what are they, where's their value of their labor? You know, like Madison was just saying, like, how do like, we're, uh, we've had this idea that their labor is, uh, that our labor is less than the workers' labor, the actual worker, and the manager and the overseer is, is getting paid, always gets paid more than the average worker, but doesn't do the work of the worker who produces the wealth that they get a part of, you know, and so by us kind of like, breaking past these stories of, like, what, exactly what Madison was saying, like, these stories that they've told us about the value of our labor, we've just been, like, we get to connect to, you know, a different um, group of people who value or view labor differently, and what happens when we, like, I mean, just the union, like, just as these union things That's literally what that is, it's, like, our labor is worth something, do you agree, do we all agree, let's get together, and, like, agree so that way we can, we can use that as a, like we can be, we can use Venus to do Mars things, you know, to, to, to kind of come together so we can sever as a collective and then kind of um, find our own way, you know?
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> and two, I was thinking about the Venus retrograde being the big part of this because we're talking so much about Mars and I think the Venus retrograde itself, you know, started back when the beginning of November, end of October, beginning of November. Um, really, say that again. It was October 30th. Sorry. Thank you. Yes. Um, really being the beginning point of like, you know, connecting with intention. Right. And really having us ask ourselves what it means to be in community, what it means to be in relationship and what are the values and the politics and the belief systems that kind of drive us in these relationships that form the foundations and the structures of our relationships. And one of my biggest pain points of this whole Venus retrograde, um, while we've had this Capricorn stellium building is like, it's really hard to be in relationship whenever you have to sell your labor 40 plus hours a week just to survive. Like Mm -hmm. it has turned into a thing. You know, we always talk about decolonizing the survival instinct um, with the eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio where part of preserving our life within capitalism requires us to abandon our relationships. It requires us to alienate ourselves, well, to self-isolate, you know, in a big way. And especially in a pandemic where we're literally having to self-isolate, you know, if someone gets sick and um, the cost of not, um, the cost of the values that we have around relationships and the values we have around community, them being very poor in the way that we prioritize work over our relationships has led to almost millions of deaths just in this country, you know, cause we can't, we can't see our neighbor. We can't see ourselves. We can't see the ways that we're connected to each other, to this earth, like to the world around us. We're just kind of cogs in a machine having to press on, you know, get on the hamster wheel, get off for three, four hours, go to sleep, wake up, do it again it doesn't leave much time for connection in general. And it doesn't leave much time for intentional relationships really at all. um, Unless you're friends with your coworkers. I mean, a lot of my life was like that for sure, where I just had to make friends with the people that I worked with because I spent so much time at work and it's been really frustrating, um, especially in the context of this pandemic to maintain relationships because everyone has different beliefs about the importance of relationships and also different beliefs about the virus itself. And so, you know, it's hard to trust anyone because everyone's having to do their own individual thing to survive. And we're not really looking at ways of, you know, collectively navigating this thing and protecting each other because we just don't value relationships. And I don't think it's because we don't want to, I think we desperately, desperately want to, um, to go back to this being a ninth and third house thing, like we have to rely on things like social media and podcasts and, um, all these digital ways of connecting, which are a nice like tool again, to navigate the circumstances of our reality, you know, to navigate, to basically conform to the neglect and the withholding again, but, um, it's not a good substitution in the way that we really need physical connection. Thinking about the lack of water in this chart again, like we can't be in person, we can't get hugs, we can't um, co-regulate, we can't really be in our bodies whenever there aren't other bodies to be around. You know what I mean? It's hard to feel your own body in the absence of other people. So, oh, that's all, (laughs) go for it.
0: Sounds like you're on crypto. yeah. Because I was thinking, like, just what you said really triggered something. Because I do wonder, you know, just maybe looking at the trying Jupiter and um, and the Moon, eleventh and third house, and how social media becomes a benefactor thing. Because I think about like if this pandemic happened, if this, I mean, which is a, a pandemic has happened multiple times in the past, right? But it's mm-hmm. like, if it wasn't for social media or for these kind of network of information, you know, um, how did like, we wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know where I would be, you know? And so I, I, I just wanted to like support that, that element of like, you know, I wonder how much of of this, you uh, this, this need for connection, or for the Venus retrograde kind of being like, um, retelling, like, kind of getting our stories together. So when we connect in person, or when we are able to connect with other humans, like, there's more intention, there's a different story, more, you know, uh, a different belief, because like you were saying, with co-workers, it was like, yeah, of course, co-workers are going to be your friend, because you're spending all your time at work. So it's yeah. like, and then you're sitting there thinking why am i spending all of my time at work laboring away for somebody else's lead for somebody else's wealth we get that privilege to ask that question when you had no connection beyond your immediate like the you know, I'm bringing in the Atlantic slave the transatlantic slave trade because i got to do it
1: yeah
0: you know that, like you know how that's really like disconnecting you from from relationships and your story you know what i mean like and how those same enslaved Africans and the indigenous people who survived—how do they um, kind of conceptualize their story and their their um, you know their survival was was their you know uh, connection through um, religious means? Like they're finding their own communities and their own ways to to, to stick together through this kind of like major um, disruption. So how do we find kind of like find similar? uses for for those themes where now we're in this place where we're you know the isolation is taking a different form but we are being disrupted from what we used to what we knew you know one way or the other it doesn't matter if it was good or bad for us it's not obviously the same story but it was breaking from that and how do we now connect with each other in an intention where it's not just like because I need you, it's because I want, I believe this is an important thing to be in. I just I love that how you felt that. Go ahead, Nancy. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. Um, so I liked everything that y'all were saying and I kind of wanted to add some more stuff. So something I think that was really interesting is the way that social media has really affected how we determine what is real and not real, what is true, and not true, how we get our news, um, And I think a really good way to think about it is that, I don't know, I guess I was thinking about when the nodes were in Pisces and Virgo, there was always these big um, technological advances. Like, um, I think the late 60s, there was, you know, TVs are now in everybody's home. So it's not the newspaper anymore. It's what's on the television. And then, you know, later on, around the time I was born, the nodes were in Pisces and Virgo. All of a sudden, we have internet, we have Google, we have... You know all of this stuff um coming into our awareness and through that becomes a lot of disinformation you know a lot of online conspiracy theories you know everyone's allowed to say whatever they want to say so there's no fact checker it can get really confusing really fast people's opinions can be stated as facts and that can be like really bad that's been a really obvious test during this pandemic That you can easily fall into this rabbit hole and end up in Wonderland taking drugs or something. (laughs) You don't know what's real anymore. You're talking to cats and stuff. Um, But now it's kind of like, there's also this other side of it where social media has also been a way for people to find out the truth when these institutions have been lying. And that's something that has been so difficult this Venus retrograde is the realization that if you and someone that you're sharing a house with are getting your news from different places, yeah, you are on the same page about what is real and not real. What's okay? Not okay. Is there a mask mandate or no? Do I need a vaccine card to go here or no? Can I even go? Is it allowed? Is it closed? You know, should we go to school or not? Are we still homeschooling? I don't know. Like you can be in the same house and be in totally different worlds depending on what social media sites you use. If you watch actual you know broadcast television if you're watching you know major news sources totally different than if you were on twitter following 30 doctors and recording what they're saying every day because they're saying totally different things right and so this Venus retrograde like it started again on October 30th Venus entered Sagittarius and then December 8th 2021 by the way I entered Capricorn and by the 19th, it went retrograde just in time for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember that? Christmas 2021? Yes. That was awful, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> very- you know what we were realizing is that if you are not, you know, again on the same news source, you're not perceiving the same threats, can you be afforded to be can you afford to be a community with people that don't have the same beliefs? about what's happening with this pandemic. And a lot of us realize, no, we can't, you can't. Yeah. There's some people that are saying, you got to pass a test. You got to bring a mask. You better have your vaccines before you come over to my house. And then there are other people throwing like parties with 60 plus people. They're getting married, you know, whatever, to the point to where it's like, you feel crazy if you don't go because everyone around you was going. But then the people who are actually trying to do something about it, just like, or being treated like crab, at least mostly from what I've seen. I remember I was the only person to wear a mask at my family Christmas. I didn't even want to go, but I felt kind of coerced into going. And it saved my life, ended up someone there had COVID. So I was kind of like, I'm glad that I chose to listen to my beliefs and wear the mask and do what felt good to me, but I'm not showing up again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not showing up to your house ever again. Yeah. Can I afford to be in community with someone that doesn't believe that this is a real threat? No. Absolutely. Right. And Mars was still in Scorpio, too. So it was kind of like do or die. Mm.
1: Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's such, such, such a good point. I really feel like the social media aspect of this pandemic has been a blessing and a curse, like equally, because I remember those early days of being on Twitter and seeing those first videos of what was happening in Wuhan. And like the internet got scrubbed, like those got scrubbed from Twitter and from the internet, like quickly after they were released. And there's a way that, you know, you could be on Twitter, you're getting, you know, sometimes direct um, anecdotes of situations going on, you know, from doctors all around the world saying exactly what they're experiencing. And then in the same vein, you can get on Facebook and there's a bunch of people who support the former guy talking about how it's all a hoax and it's not even real. You know, it hasn't even made it here yet, but that, that um, dissonance early on was like the thing that really messed this whole thing up. You know, it's like, they were trying to tell us that masks weren't even going to work or we didn't even need them because X, Y, Z, when the truth was that no, we just didn't have enough actually. And they didn't want us to go out and buy them all. So they told us that they didn't work. You know, They literally stripped us of our ability to defend ourselves. We talk about being disarmed with water signs. Like we weren't even able to protect ourselves because they told us you know, the things that we needed to protect ourselves didn't work. Um, and then again, this thing with sources, I remember seeing stuff on the news two or three weeks before, or sorry, seeing stuff on Twitter two or three weeks before it would even be talked about on the local news. And then what they were reporting on the local news was two or three weeks behind the stuff that I was seeing on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, eventually the moments would come where finally the news would catch up with something that I'd seen. But by the time the news caught up, the information had changed. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, and just in general outside of the pandemic, like the way technology has increased rapidly, like not only have we never had these things in history, but, the rate at which we're getting new things is so fast we can't even keep up with it and so yes to your point of like knowing what to believe and who to believe and who's a reliable source like this discernment aspect of it is so huge um and I think another piece of you know the fixed sign aspect of this with with uh Taurus and Leo Scorpio Aquarius like who has the authority to say what is and isn't true? I feel like that's a big piece of this that we can't even trust the people who are supposed to be in charge anymore. All these people in the ninth house, our government officials and leaders and the freaking Supreme Court itself, you know, is out here making decisions for us, um, making all of these judgments and and imposing all of these laws on us. And we're not even the ones that are telling them like what it is that we need. They're not even listening to us. and. At the same time, you know, everyone <laughs> who is speaking, who is sharing their voice on the internet probably doesn't need to be <laughs> speaking and sharing their voice on the internet either because they can't be trusted. So it it is, it's just such a mess of who can you trust and why do you believe that you can trust them to be honest and who has the authority to say what anything is. Um, just a lot of like power dynamics at play as well. I love
0: that. Um, so, Is there any final thoughts, like any final words that we want to give to the collective based off this chart, based off of what we've been experiencing, Um, you know, just to leave them with uh, a word, um, because the sun is about to enter, as my (laughs) thing says,
1: Uh,
0: you know. I can start
1: or I don't know if I can start. I think for me um, and the way that my chart is set up, one thing that, you know, Dana has said that's always stuck with me is whose vision determines what you see. And I feel like coming up on this new moon in Leo that will be happening on the same day as this Mars-Venus conjunction perfects. That aspect of whose vision determines what you see you know in terms of the way that you see yourself in terms of the way you interpret the information that you're getting um, in terms of the things that you're preaching like all of the ways that your eyes and your mind have been influenced by someone else I think figuring out ways to take layers of that off you know to accurately see the things going on around yourself not even accurately but Just to be able to see it with your own eyes, perceive it with your own mind, you know, Um, to be able to ask questions, to be able to um, discern when to trust who and what for, that whole piece of it. I think rather than making assumptions that what you're seeing is true because you see it, I think asking those deeper questions of why do you believe what you believe and who determines are you the person who determines what you're seeing or is there someone else that's influencing um, your own vision? I think that's the question that I would ask because I don't know the answer to that. So depends on the person.
0: Nash, nice. do you have any
2: final words? Um, yes, I want to say whatever you're getting paid, you should be paid more. You deserve health benefits. You deserve sick days. You deserve vacation days. You deserve pregnancy leave. You deserve to be in charge of your time. You deserve lunch breaks. You deserve rest. You should look up the nap ministry. Um there's a quote that they have, rest is radical. Um, go take a nap, dude. You deserve that <laughs> so hard. Who are you doing that for? No,
0: I my final word for the collective would be um, ask yourself why and don't assume anything for what it is so in your relationships why are you engaging in it what are you you know what's what are you doing there <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a complicated deep answer it could be as simple as I enjoy their presence they make me feel good um, they support me in these kinds of ways. Because when you start there, you'll be able to really identify you know, the relationships that don't benefit you, that you find yourself um, getting too much in. And that's really a, a spot for you to investigate the story that you're thinking about yourself and in that relationship. Um, and so that's gonna be a really important thing as Venus is direct and moving, but also gonna conjunct Mars later. Um, So thinking how um, the new story that we've been out of, um, how does that rejoin um, our sense of uh, autonomy in general. So thanks, Madison and Winter, Winter and Madison, for um, joining me on today's episode of Perspective um titled the sidereal movement uh i'm gonna let y'all plug yourselves because we should y'all should be following us um and listening to what we're talking about with astrology sorry not sorry um so go ahead madison What her like, sorry i like your name a lot <laughs> that's why <when laughs> i say it just like out of my mind it's like ah. Um, not that i don't like your
2: That's cool. Um, I'm Madison, but I go by the Sidereal Maven on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Um, I do Sidereal astrology readings. I do tarot readings. Sometimes I do tarot and astrology readings because I'm a tryhard and I think it's fun. And I also have a Patreon page where I'll do like monthly forecasts for the astrology up ahead. Sometimes I'll do daily card pools or like astrology 101 lessons i'll do a week ahead If the week ahead is really crazy every now and then i like to do like pick a card readings because those are fun um yeah i don't know what else to say y'all go (laughs) all
1: right well again my name is winter um also known as mix mercury mx m-e-r-c-u-r-i on twitter instagram tumblr pretty much any platform that's the name that i use I mostly just run my mouth. I have a lot of Gemini. So I'm usually tweeting more than anything else. I do have links to book readings with me on all of my platforms as well. Um, so if you want to book any type of sidereal astrology reading with me, my offerings are there. I'd love to talk to you. Other than that, um, I hope to be on this podcast some more and to release some content, some workshops, and things like that throughout the year. So stay tuned. Um, but I mostly can be found on Twitter and occasionally on Instagram.
0: Nice. Well, thanks, y'all. And I do want to plug Dana Lynn Knuckles, <laughs> People's Oracle. So at People's Oracle on social media. And her website is thepeoplesoracle.com. There you can find how to cast your sardereal birth chart. You should check all of her workshops out. Um, I would start off with her lecture series that she just finished doing, um, uh, like because I think it's it's still, like what sidereal astrology is. She has at least that one up. Um, she comes out with a yearly uh, workbook calendar guide, which is called the Sidereal Astrology Guide. Um, so be on the lookout because twenty twenty two is coming pretty soon. So. Um, Y'all, I don't have to plug myself because y'all are clearly listening to me, but follow Dana, the source um, of this and the inspiration for this content. And yeah, I will be bringing these folks back. So
2: I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and I will talk to everyone soon. Peace.